Podcasting from Heroes Media Group with real, relevant, and raw opinions. This is the College Sports Hour with your host, Clint McPherson, and co-host, Greg Dixon. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 24 of the College Sports Hour. I'm your host, Clint, and I'm sitting here, like always, with my partner in crime, Greg. What is going on, brother? It is just another day in paradise, man, sitting here, hanging out, chilling and relaxing all cool and all, shooting some b-ball outside of my school. There you go. I like uh, that. Just kidding. <laughs> I like I, that, but, man, I see there's a little bit of a change of scenery for you today. I see. Is that a Duke picture in the background? Yes, it is. It is. I, I kind of move my big head out of the way there. It is the history uh, going back all the way back since its inception at Duke University, the basketball program going on there. You got massive pictures of people mm-hmm. that nobody would recognize and yeah. then a couple of pictures of some people that would recognize uh, all right there at the big old uh, at the big old head that you got right there of Coach K hanging out. My, uh, my office here is, uh, is a little decked out with some different sports memorabilia, but that's kind of definitely one of the uh, one of the highlights that's in there. Definitely the centerpiece, the showcase piece. But man, you know what? After seeing the team this year, you might have to change it up and and, and add a, a few few more guys in there that that are probably the best guys that ever come through Duke when it's all said and done. I mean, even if they don't win, I just think the talent amount of talent they have, they're gonna be they're gonna be inscripted, they're gonna be drawn on something, and they're gonna be memorized for I mean, going forward. I, uh, I wholeheartedly agree, man. There's certainly some of the best talent to come through and certainly some best talent to come through in a long time. Uh, speaking of Zion and speaking of RJ Barrett and those guys that have come through this year. Without a doubt. But guys, on today's episode, we'll start talking about what went down in the Big 12 during college football's national or college football's national signing day. I thought I was. I thought I caught myself. I thought I was talking about the NFL for a second, and I was like, "Oh, this is definitely not Wait the right place." But hey, sorry guys. But at the same time, like we talked about this last week with the ACC, and and then this is going to give us a couple more talking points for a couple more episodes for future episodes when it comes to other, you know, the major conferences. So we did cover the ACC in episode twenty three last week, and then after talking some college football, man, we'll transition right into what's going on currently in the college basketball landscape. After week 16, with I know it's a bummer for you in a lot of ways. I'm just hoping we could skip that for this, <laughs> yeah, this week. But we're going to have to touch on it. You know, the All new right. AP Top 25 came out for week 17, man. And it's and like always, college basketball, just as the weeks go by, it's going to get more exciting um, as we approach March Madness, man. Yes, sir, it is. I'm excited. It wasn't the greatest week for us, but we did. it did end up with some good news there towards the end of the week. So uh, looking forward to talking about that after we dive in headfirst into some uh, college basketball I and mean, college football recruiting. I can't talk either today. Yeah, it's man, be a fun it, episode. It, it's <laughs> all good, man. But with that said, guys, let's start off with some college football and see how the Big 12 graded out during National Signing Day. So this time we're going to kind of do it different. Um, and I was just talking to my co-host about that. Is where we started off at the top with Clemson and the ACC. And I don't think we need to start that way this time. So we're going to talk about Kansas and they're first on the dock with grading out as a C minus with a national rank of 67. But man, the highlight for this Kansas Jayhawks team is Les Miles is on the recruiting trail and is their head coach. Yeah, man. 
uh, man, lots of excitement. It's got to be happening around Jayhawk Nation uh, going into this upcoming uh, football season. I don't think that anybody should have any uh, real high, necessarily high, high, high expectations about what possibly could transpire. But you got to be excited knowing that Les Miles is on there, the the boy genius that'll be cr- be walking up and down the sidelines, that'll be chewing on some grass for you, <laughs> making some making some weird calls from time to time, going for fake field goals, throwing it over their head. I mean, doing some breaking bringing through some great excitement for your program. But he did get out there and hit the recruiting trail this year. And I mean, was able to get in a, a, a decent class for, for Kansas to come in this year. Yeah, and when you look at it, that's that was really heavily predicated on JUCO transfers, which is huge for him, though. You know, he's not getting inexperienced players, even though he, right. he obviously they brought, bring some, some of those in. But he did reach down and get some of those three-star athletes, you know, that, that are going to be huge. Um, and some more letters of intent inside the Sunshine State, like we, we preached upon last week, you know, the Florida yep. boys. But at the end of the day, man, Les Miles, he is going to make some head-scratching calls like you bring up. <laughs> He's going to make you wonder. He's going to say some crazy off-the-wall things. And He's going to chew some grass. And we saw that in his press conference, you know, his original press conference, <laughs> where he just, like, he's lost, like... man. He might just be too old. But Kansas might have a little bit of high hopes, especially they started, they, they were they were a tough out last year. So yeah. we'll see if Les Miles can change that um, going forward. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. If if nothing else, man, it's certainly gonna give us some interesting things to to talk about on Sundays after Saturdays games and stuff like that. But I'm I'm excited to see what Kansas can do this year, uh, and and you know making their way up the ranks here in this conference. Without a doubt. And let's go over to Texas Tech, the Red Raiders. They replace and get a new coach, Matt Wells, and they grade out as a C minus with a national rank of 63. So they did a tad bit better than Kansas, you know, per ESPN. But when you look at it, man. You know, this this coaching change, you know, the Red Raiders class, you know, he brought he kept the Red Raiders class together by right. keeping three star QB Maverick McIver, I guess you would say that. But he's a six four two six two guy. He's he, he's he looks good and we'll see what he can do for the Red Raiders this year. You know, once again, the conference that we're in right now that we're sitting here talking about, man, the offensive side of the ball is always the hot hand in this conference. Very, very rarely do we see a whole lot of defense playing together. But to be able to compete for a national championship, you got to be able to throw that defense in there as well. So Texas Tech is starting off here trying to get the offense back in line, getting the offense back in shape. And so Matt Wells is doing what he can right now, kind of keeping the quarterback in play, kind of keeping their uh, their offensive tackle, uh, Trevor Robertson, in the fold as well. Three-star wide receiver Cameron Cantrell is the brother of former Texas Tech standout and NFL wide receiver Dylan Cantrell. So, he, he's got a, so he's got a, he's got these guys he was able to keep in play, start hitting the recruiting trail a little bit. Got some work to do. This isn't going to be Texas Tech's year, but they're still going to be able to make a little bit of noise there in this conference. I agree. So let's move over to Kansas State. The Kansas State Wildcats and the Little Apple, man. They yep. you know, they graded out as a C, national rank 55. But when you look at it, they are they as well are going through a change um in their leader. But man, when it comes down to it, they they grade out pretty decently when they when when they grabbed this ESPN 300 QB, the athlete slash athlete Chris Horn. The in and I mean so and then plus adding the in-state ESPN 300 athlete in Keenan Garber, I mean that he can play anywhere, right? He can play right. DB, he can play wide receiver. So it's pretty interesting to see what Kansas State is doing over there in Manhattan, Kansas. 
Yeah, man, they were able to fill up the stat sheet a little bit here with uh, with a bunch of three-star players coming into this year's program. They got a three-star offensive line, uh, I'm sorry, outside linebacker, Gavin Potter, three-star cornerback, William Jones, as well as three-star running back, Joe Irvin. Uh, all these guys are expected uh, expected to make a difference, be you know, get on the field, begin to play a little bit there. And this program right here, the, the, the building, which you can see, is a foundation here of what they possibly can be as the years begin to progress. But you got to be able to stack good recruiting classes on top of good recruiting classes. And so we'll see what Kansas State is able to do uh, this year and in the next upcoming years as well. No, I agree with that, my man. Let's move on to the Cyclones with the Purdy Party. You got they graded Ooh. out and, and and they had a good recruiting class, man. Yep. Another solid season on the field has resulted in a top fifty class for this team and for Matt Campbell. So when you look at it, this Iowa State Cyclone team grades out a B minus and with a national rank of forty six, and that is impressive. Yeah, man. So the idea for going into this year was definitely they needed to do some work around the offensive side of the ball and running the ball. We heard a lot about the Purdy Party uh, last year as he was able to to really put that team on his on his shoulders and carry them through the the remainder of that season once he won the start, starting job. And so they hit the recruiting trail, was able to get a uh, get a, a couple of running backs there, uh, Jarrell Brock. Uh, and so it's gonna be nice to go with the Purdy Party as uh, Jarrell Brock and then Brees Hall. Both of them are on their way uh, to help out this Iowa State team. Uh, Brock's got a really high ceiling because of his combination of frame and quickness. So uh, these guys right here looking to come in and make an impact. It's going to be interesting to watch how these guys are able to handle the transition into college football life. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they mesh and, and how they gel with this, the, the, the current players on the team. But watch out, guys. Iowa State um, seems like they're starting to make some noise up in the Big 12. Definitely. Let's take a look at the West Virginia Mountaineers, man. They got... It, we saw what happened last year at the quarterback position. And yep. so when, when you look at it, they grade out as a B minus, national rank of 44. But the good thing for this team is they continue to build, you know, top 50 classes. This one obviously comes in the top 45 class and, and it ranks in the top half of the Big 12. And, and after another successful season on the field with, with Will Greer, you can look for this West Virginia Mountaineer team to be a tough out going forward. Oh, no doubt, man. These guys were able to put together. Uh, their, this coaching staff did a solid job again this year of being able to recruit some some really talented players, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Some guys that are going to get down there in the trenches as well, which is where you got to have some good playmakers as well. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I, I do feel like it's going to be the the biggest question mark is still going to be you know how they replace Will Greer and what happens on that side of, uh, on that side of the ball and who's able to to lead this team. But they certainly have some playmakers around the quarterback to be able to make some good things happen. Yeah, with Jarson Miller flipping from LSU, you know, that was a big pull for them. You know, Very reaching true. out and getting the JUCO 50 um, cornerback. I mean, flipping from LSU, that's, that's a bit, you know, that's something you, you can you can keep your head high about because you're, you're pulling, you know, a, a good player from a team that's, that's typically good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. They've also got that uh, uh, ESPN Top 300 wide receiver, Osita Smith, is coming in as well. Uh, three-star speedy playmaker Terrence Dotson is coming in there that's out of the Sunshine State. That's going to make an impact. So it's all. So they're putting. They're surrounding a quarterback with a lot of good players. It's just going to be uh, being able to get that chemistry together and see what happens. Let's move over to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State Cowboys, man, they grade out a B minus with a national rank of 41. They continue like we always would imagine. I mean, their offense has has been decent. For years now, I mean, they can't. They continue to restack. They continue to reload. Obviously, they're not bringing in that many four or five star players, but they are bringing in and doing 
doing work with what they get. You know, they bring in that QB in the class, a three-star and Brandon Costello out of California, which is huge for them. And also grabbing the ESPN 300 running back, DeAndre Glass, I believe it's mm-hmm. a, which heads the north, which heads north from the Lone Star State, which is, which is, and he's coming from Katy High, which is a pretty well-known powerhouse down there in the Lone Star State. Yeah, and they were able to get a couple of guys from their own state as well, tight end Grayson Boomer and edge pass rusher Trace Ford, uh, you know, beating out beating out the likes of Oklahoma and some of the other teams that are surrounding them. So getting those guys to come in is a big deal as well, along with some commitments they got from offensive tackle uh, uh, Taylor Mitekero. Mit, 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 whatever his name is. Whatever uh, it is, brother. You know, if I'd say it with confidence, nobody would know that I'm messing it up. <laughs> but able to get that guy, Preston Wilson as well, and then Cole Birmingham, uh, all those guys are going to be able to come in there. And But the thing about it is that you're noticing here is a lot of the recruiting that they're still doing, uh, at least in the upper echelon of talent that they're getting, is still on that offensive side of the ball. Uh, we, we still exactly. have to – got to be able to recruit some defensive players in there as well to make a big deal, uh, to make a statement. So, it's going. once again, I, I think that we're still kind of, at least with the Oklahoma State Cowboys, it's still going to be the same thing. Offense is going to be off the chain. Defense is going to be <laughs> – uh, n- not even showing up. There you go. And, and another team that's, that's been like this for a little while, Baylor Bears. Yay. They, they grit out with a B, national rank 34. Obviously, they're doing a little bit better. And the Bears under Matt Rule, they continue to ascend on the field and on the trail. They bring in ESPN 300 QB Jacob Zeno, which headlines Matt Rule's class for bowl-eligible Baylor. I mean, that's pretty huge for this guy. Yeah, man. So they're finally coming off of their sanctions uh, where they haven't been able uh, to participate in any bowl games or anything like that. So now that you're able to recruit players, letting them know, hey, you got a chance to play in a bowl game, that's that's obviously going to help out their recruiting class. And I think that goes ahead and shows you why they're nationally ranked the 34th class and getting a B grade as well. Uh, so you got another uh, ESPN top 300 athlete that's coming in, Peyton Powell, whose signature uh, was, a, was a huge win for them early on in the signing day out of West Texas. So uh, I think we're going to be looking for some, you know, looking for Baylor to begin to turn the corner here and making their way back towards the top of this conference. But we need some defense, right? So when you look at it, when we're going through, obviously we're seeing some defensive ends, some three-star defensive ends. But again, the highlights for these, a lot of these teams are on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, that that's going to do them well in this conference. It's not going to do them well when they start playing uh, playing against some uh, other bowl eligible teams, and specifically once you start making your way towards uh, the the football playoff that happens there. Hello, what happened to Oklahoma last year? <laughs> exactly. So let's move over to TCU. The Horn Frogs grade out as a B with a national rank of 32. They signed a top 25 class in 2018, right? And so they they followed that up with. I mean, they fall a little short of that, but. That's a top 30 class, and that, again, is among the Big 12's best in the 2019 cycle, with the highlight there with being four-star QB Max Duggan as the headliner. So, I mean, again, Gary Patterson continues to do his thing and work in, to work some magic on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to score a four-star defensive end, Colt Boom. Ellison, and hard-hitting three-star outside linebacker Wyatt Harris. So uh, TCU starting to uh, capture a little bit of the magic there, being able to recruit some some talented defensive players. They got to get a couple more, man. They 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 got a couple of uh, three star and four star defensive players that'll be coming into play as well. Uh, so maybe this maybe the TCU will be able to start making a little bit of a change there. And as they're not necessarily a traditional uh, as far as what you think about with the offensive firepower there with the Big 12 or anything like that. But maybe they're starting to turn the de- the corner a little bit, having a high powered offense and a stout defense as well. With that said, let's go to Texas. The Texas Yay, Longhorns, Texas. man, with what, they, with, with what they did on the field, <laughs> and I'm back. I mean, they grade out an A, national rank five. So 
the recipe's there. They're setting themselves up for good going well into the future. You know, they've addressed needs very well in this 2019 class after inking a top five class. I mean, they did it in 2018. They're going to do it again. They continue as long as they win. And that's all the name of the game, right? As long as you win, you're in. But as long as they keep doing what they're doing and going in the right direction from where they, where they were, they will continue to pull in this because Texas, just like Texas A&M, they have that deep pocket. And evidently, not only do they have a deep pocket, but they got some guys that are ready to go out there and catch some uh, and catch some footballs from this high, uh, from this really talented and uh, f- kind of full of himself a little bit, but got a lot of confidence quarterback they got going on there as well. Because they were able to snag uh, Bruce McCoy, Jordan Whittington, Marcus Washington, and Jake Smith out of Arizona. All four of those guys are are, are legit wide receivers. They're going to be coming in there looking for the ball to be thrown in their direction. Now that's huge for them guys as they were ma- as they made as Texas made wide receiver a really big focus for them. Yeah, and, and it, it seems like because they got the quarterback, they didn't really need to really focus on that. But at the end of the day, Texas, I mean, I, I guess they're they're getting as close to being back as you can possibly be right now. Listen, man, I'll just be honest with you. That's, <laughs> I, for me, it's an impressive mark for you to have the fifth best class in the nation right now. Uh, I know things go in ebbs and flows and stuff like that, and you and it's it's all on paper. I get it. You, you know, you're still waiting to see how these guys transition. But having the number five ranked national class coming in right now, that's a pretty big deal. And talking about top five class, you have Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Sooners, again, continue to do good on the recruiting trail, to do good on, on National Signing Day. They grad out as an A, national rank four. And again, like I said, they have inked their third consecutive top 10 class and the top class in the Big 12 for this year with their big headline coming out of the Peach State and five-star wide receiver Jaden Hasselwood. You know, yeah. he lines a ha- he highlights a class of heavy, a class with heavy, uh, you know, a dose of four star athletes and prospects, man. Hey, uh, not to be outdone, but by the uh, 2019 uh, QB, they got it coming in Spencer Rattler. I just I, I like that name. I don't know about you, but I just like the name yes. Spencer Rattler. Uh, who's going to be coming in there, uh, and he's, uh, you know, who knows what he's going to be or anything like that, but if he's anything like the other guys that have come out of Oklahoma over the last couple of years, this guy's got a bright future in front of him as well. Definitely. Played some defensive tackle as well, so that's a yep. good thing to see. So, guys, that closes out the segment for National Signing Day for the Big 12, but when you look at it, the teams that really made the headway, you know, you're looking at TCU, you're looking at Texas, and you're looking at Oklahoma that seems to be like they're putting themselves in prime position to make a run for something. And I got to be honest with you, out of those three, TCU's the uh, TCU's the surprise team for me that would be up there with those top with one of those top classes. Yeah, but man, again, when I'm looking at Baylor with Matt Rule, I mean, what he's done in the past and what he's going to do now that the sanctions are lifted. Yeah. Man, the sky's the limit for that team as well. I agree 100%, man. 100%. All right, man, with that said, let's switch topics and transition to some college basketball. And and week 16 is in the books, and we're transitioning to week 17. The AP poll is released officially, and unfortunately for you, my man, your boys fall to third in the latest AP poll while Gonzaga reclaims the number one spot, man. I thought they were going to fall further than that, to be completely honest with you. I thought Kentucky would jump ahead of them, uh, and they would be behind Kentucky at this point in time. So I'm pretty happy just to only be sitting at three right now. Yeah, when you look at it, man, it, it's just one of those things. It was not a good night at all. 
I mean, and you know that. And, and it's the same way with Florida State playing yep. playing North Carolina, not may, being able to make that state. But man, Duke's gonna have you know a couple of games like this, and it's only their third loss of the season. Yeah, they don't fall too far, which I don't think they should fall in the top five. I don't know if I could have put Kentucky, even though Kentucky's been been hot lately. Um, and, and seeing LSU starting to do what they're doing uh, mm-hmm. as well. I mean, because that you know Kentucky losing LSU wasn't a bad loss. Especially the way they ended up losing. Especially it. seeing how maybe they shouldn't have lost. Exactly, but anyways, exactly. That's but that's here, neither here nor there. And it, and it's funny that LSU has been a part of a couple of these games. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, when you look at it, man, the the, the Zags moved up the spot Monday to yep. begin this, their second stint this year at the number one spot, and they replaced Duke, obviously. But mm-hmm. when you look at it, man, like these teams again, one through five. I mean, with North Carolina jumping up from eight to five. You know Tennessee's kind of faltering a little bit there. You know sitting at twenty four and three. You know they they had the top five graphs there, but man, now we have North Carolina in the conversation because last week I remember talking about you know the top five are basically like Shakir, you know, and then you have a few teams slip up, and then you have other teams just on on a tear right now. Michigan State's one of them. Um, North Carolina's one of them, and Mm -hmm. you can just see that these teams that historically know how to win, are starting to do it when it matters, especially as they get later in the season. Can I just draw everybody's attention to the top five of the uh, of, of the AP Top 25 right now? Yes. Uh, you have, of the five positions, you have three ACC teams sitting there. <laughs> I just want to say that again. Three ACC teams are sitting in the top five of the nation right now. I, I don't care who you are. You need to pay a little bit of respect to the ACC and the talent that's there, specifically at the top half of the division uh, that's going on right now. So Virginia at number two, Duke at number three, and North Carolina at number five. Uh, that's that, that's that's a, that's a pretty high accomplishment in my opinion. Oh, without a doubt. And then when you look at Florida State sitting at 18, they had a huge run. Yep. Setting a record, a school record, winning eight ACC games in a row. They started off the year one and four in the, in the ACC and then go on an eight-game eight tear. And then, unfortunately – they hit a brick wall against against <laughs> North Carolina and did not show up in that game, right? And so, so, yeah. so they fall from 16-18, but at the end of the day, they're sitting at 21-6, and six, and I feel comfortable where they're at because they're going to be favored to win the majority of the other games beside the fact, you know, going up against a Virginia Tech is going to be a tough out. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's some games that, you know, we should get into the to the tournament comfortably. At, at one time when we are sitting at 1-4 in the ACC, I was not feeling too comfortable with my boys um, even though they seem at the beginning of the year to over, you know, deliver, they just seem to that four or five game stretch that they had where they lost four out of five just just right. killed me. And but even for them to overcome that, that's huge for them, especially playing in the ACC, man. Michigan State was able to move up uh, pretty pretty solidly this week as well after a big win against Huge in-state win. rival Michigan last night, uh, Sunday night against uh, against the Wolverines. So a big win for them, uh, especially as you know as we've documented several times here throughout the season the injuries that Michigan State's dealing with. So man, they're they're starting to they're they're playing really well. They're learning how to learning how to win without some of their better players as well. So man, good stuff for them. Maryland moved up this week a, a considerable bunch, going from 24 to 17 as well. So, I mean, some teams that are starting to make some moves and maybe solidify their position as uh, March Madness begins to make their way around. Without a doubt. But, man, how has Kansas, the preseason number one, they just, yep. they're on a free fall right now. Uh, I mean, a team they, who hasn't learned how to play without without some of their better players due to injury. Yeah, man. And it just seems like it's not stopping for them, right? I mean, this is their lowest ranking since January 2014. Obviously, being in the top 25. 
is still good, but yep. when you're sitting at 20 and seven, and you, there's still room for you to fall down, and 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 they gotta again learn how to play um, in some of these games. But like you said, man, I I watched that Michigan State game. That was a huge win over a good Michigan team, and and that was the the I think one of the signature wins that Michigan State's been looking for all year, right? They, they've go. they've been winning, they've been doing doing things, and they've they've been you know they've only lost five games on the year, but man, really beating a good Michigan team, right. that really puts them in the running for for you know going forward for the rest of the year. So, and we don't we don't usually pay a whole lot of attention to teams that are at the bottom half of the top twenty five or anything like that, but I think we got to pause here for a moment and give some give some a little bit of love to Wofford. No doubt, uh, ranked uh, <laughs> ranked at number twenty four, and listen to this, guys, are checking at number twenty four for the first time in program history, making it in the top 25. So, Wofford, man, props to you guys. Congrats to you. You've earned it. You deserve it. Way to go. We're happy for you. We're proud of your program. And, man, keep looking for great things for you as you move forward. And when you look at it, the Wofford Terriers, they're 24-4, they're guys. And, That's and they're right 16. There, the terriers they're, exactly, right. <laughs> the ankle biters or whatever, right? <laughs> and so they're 16-0 in the, in the Southern Conference. That's huge. Yeah. And right now, their only losses, listen to this, guys, Against have came against power conference teams in North Carolina, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Mississippi State. Those are all good teams. Yep. So when you look at it, their losses haven't been you know, to, to just nobodies. So they are deservingly in that spot for the first time in program history, and that's awesome. That's exactly right, man. So, so man, happy for those guys as they continue to move forward with a great season this year. So let's talk a little bit about the UNC and Duke debate right now. Um, with college basketball entering the most most significant stretch as of right now, it's it's time for another to take a look at some of the stuff that that people are talking about. So North right. Carolina, true or false, would have certainly lost a Duke with Zion Williamson on the court. Uh, so you're asking me if that, so you're asking if it's true that they would have lost. Yeah. So is it true or false? So like if, if, if they had, if they had Zion, right. I mean, would North Carolina have certainty certainty. Carolina loses? Right. No, it's not a certainty (laughs) that Carolina loses. Cause, uh, let me, let me say this. Um, Zion going down in the first 30 seconds of the game. It was the first play of the game. They had gotten the ball out, out of the tip off. They were going down. He's making a move to the basket. And if you haven't seen it yet, man, you've been living up under a rock. But his shoe blows out. Yeah. Uh, the funniest thing at all this thing was is that somebody within about 10 minutes of that thing happening, somebody created a fake Twitter account called Zion Shoe. And it was tweeting <laughs> as the game was going on. The shoe itself was tweeting. It was hilarious. It was the best thing I'd seen in weeks. But that, that's neither here nor there. But Zion going down, man, it does mess up the entire game plan. Um, so if you go back and you look at it, uh, Luke May had himself a standout game shoe. And it was tweeting as the game was going on. The shoe itself was tweeting. It was hilarious. It was the best thing I'd seen in weeks. But that's neither here nor there. But Zion going down, man, it does mess up the entire game plan. Um, So if you go back and you look at it, uh, Luke May had himself a standout game in that one. But also you need to know that had that game, had Zion stayed in the game, he'd have been guarding Luke May. I I think that Luke May was still able to score, but he's not having the game that he had. Zion being in the game changes everything. So I I, I, I do want to put that out there. However, 
Carolina dominated Duke in this game. Exactly. Uh, you had R.J. Barrett. He played well. Cam Reddish played okay in that game. Nobody else for Duke really came to play. I, uh, uh, Trey Jones, man, did not have his best game of the year. Uh, he made several, you know, ridiculous turnovers that he's not accustomed to him. He wasn't. He there was no ball movement. There was no assist. It was one-on-one basketball. Uh, so, uh, so man, so nobody from Duke really showed up to play in that game. It didn't appear like. And and man, and, and Carolina, man, they they just put a beat down on Duke. That's that's all there is to say. Zion staying in the game changes it, and maybe and it does give Duke a chance to win. But it's not a certainty that Carolina loses that game simply because Zion's in the game. Yeah, without a doubt. And I don't think it's a certainty they win the game either. But no, it was not. it would be a lot closer because when you have somebody like Zion that goes out, and again, there's an argument whether he's the best player in Duke or not. But at the end of the day, with his upside and what he brings to the game and how he changes how teams play against Duke, I can't say you, you say, yeah, Duke or Carolina would have done the same thing now. Granted, if they go out there and continue shooting cold with right. Zion on the court, obviously the game would have probably played out the same way. But, I mean, you know, Duke did show a little bit of fight by getting back into it because, they, dude, they were they were just getting manhandled. And they got manhandled most of the game, and you can say right. the whole game. But they did show a little bit of, like, they got back in the groove a little bit. Obviously, they just couldn't get back into it. Um, but, I mean, Carolina's a good team. Duke's a good team. Oh, so and, Car- and Carolina's on a run. I mean, look, let's not let's not kid ourselves, man. Carolina is extremely hot right now, man. They're playing extremely, extremely well. And when you have Roy Williams and his team figures it out, or yep. or Coach K when their teams figure it out, it, it's it's scary, right? And so it's one of those things when when and Co- Coach Williams has these boys playing right now, like you said, they're on a tear, and mm-hmm. they're a team that I probably would not want to play, especially after what they did to Florida State. And watching them beat down my boys. The um the the, the the one of the things that's it's not it's not bad or anything like that. But the idea here that um the Duke's defense didn't show up in this game in my in my, in my opinion. And Duke's one of the better defensive teams in the country. Zion going out hurts that. Don't get me wrong because he's up there as the best player in the country. He's also up there for defensive player of the year. But when he goes out, man, the intensity for Duke's team, uh, man, just really seemed to deflate, deflate with him as he left the court. And then uh, we would make runs, and every time we would make a run, man, Carolina had an answer for it. They would steal the ball back. It seemed like every steal we got, by the time we got down to the end of the court, Carolina was so quick getting back down there, they were able to take the ball right back away. So they were able to squelch any kind of run that Duke was making. All right, so we're not – you know, I, we did have a note about talking about Syracuse, but we'll probably just skip over that one. Um, let, let's talk about let's talk about Zion a little bit more, and, and okay. I don't want this to make a sh- be be a show about Duke. But when you're looking at somebody again with his caliber, and we're talking about the Duke team right now, when he leaves and, and they ended up struggling, and, and they could have if R.J. Barrett missed, they could have ended up struggling. If if Trey Jones again missed, they could have ended up struggling. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. But right now, when you look at the overall group of work and what these players bring to the team, is Zion Williamson Duke's MVP? Um, yeah, I think, I, in my opinion, I think I would say that just because of the way that things change. I think you're right. I think things change if R.J. Barrett goes out. We saw how things would change if Trey Jones goes out. Um, and we've got a little bit of other things to see, too, because you got 
you know, Williamson's been out a little bit, a little bit more than anybody else. Barrett hasn't missed any games, but if you look at it, you know, uh, Williamson went out in the Florida State game when he got poked in the eye and he didn't return uh, right. basically for the entire second half. He missed basically all Carolina, and then he did miss all of the Syracuse game. So there's something to be said there for, you know, R.J. Barrett picking up the slack, and so we've got a little bit of time to see that. However, I think for me, when it comes to Williamson being Duke's MVP, um, it's it's what it's what he brings beyond just the scoring aspect of it. It's the energy level that he brings in there. It's the way that people respond and react to him uh, to him when he's on the court and when he's off the court. I watched him on the sidelines when they were playing Syracuse on Saturday, and man, he kept the. I mean, even him just simply being on the on the sideline kept the energy level up. Uh, for Duke, kept everybody still in the game, kept everybody focused. And I think that's partly why, I think also the way that he plays defense, R.J. Barrett's not a bad defender, don't get me wrong, but there's just something about the way that Zion plays defense as well, plays on both sides of the ball, um, man, and, and the unselfish play that he has that makes him the MVP for me. Yeah, and sometimes it's just my thing is, and and I get it, Barrett is is talented, he's awesome. Extremely, yeah. It, I mean, it, this doesn't take anything away from him. Yeah, he, yeah he's yeah. awesome, but, when, but my thing is you're not going to see because – Again, Zion doesn't take too many jump shots, right? right. Or too many three pointers, and so he's, you're not going to really see this cat go six for thirty. Mm-hmm. Like most of his stuff is around the rim. It's going to be makeable, and so if he has a six for thirty night, Zion Williamson, something's wrong because most of his points are coming off of dunks, layups, yep. whatever transition baskets, and so you're not going to see too many. You will see Barrett have nights like that, but you won't see Zion. And so I just think the efficiency there, even though. You know, Barrett has a knack to get to the free throw line, and and some of the some of the early things that I've seen from him, I just again I would agree that Zion Williams would be Duke's MVP. But man, I, I still can't take any away from anything away from how big Trey Jones has been for that team. Sure, and uh, and, I, and I'm sure that part of us are living as a, as prisoners in the moment, so to speak. We're watching him, you know, his, his shooting slump that he's gone a little bit into when he played Carolina and then when he played Syracuse as well, just uh, really not making any big shots. And his defense seemed to let up a little bit as well in those two games. Uh, but you're right, man. He's still he's still the you know the guy who kind of makes that team go. Yeah. So let's take a look at this right here. And this is a good. I want to hear your take on this. Okay. Because we're gonna have to talk about Cassius Winston. All right. Should he get some National Player of the Year votes? Because when you look at it, you know, Zion is probably most likely right now to win the bulk of the National Player of the Year accolades. And and you can't take that away from him, right? No. That's a fair assessment. And, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But as of right now, if he comes back from injury, I don't think that there's going to be – Anything. I mean, I'm not saying he's he's very injured or anything, but I'm just saying no. obviously he's sitting out right now. He's not playing. Yep. But as long as everything checks out, he's good to go. Should Cassius Winston still, especially after his effort against Michigan, and is well deserved. He scored 27 point or 27 points. He had eight assists and two steals against yep. a good, talented team. Should he get some National Player of the Year votes? Well, I mean, yeah, but say for those for those of you who may not be familiar with who Cassius Winston is, man, he's playing for uh, playing for Michigan State, and uh, you know we talked about them earlier Money. on in the program about how you know they were starting <laughs> to learn how to play without some of their top tier talent that they've got. They've been missing. He was missing teammate Nick Ward in this past game, uh, who's injured. The Spartans have lost Joshua Langford, who was considered to be you know one of the one of the leaders on this team. Yeah, uh, there. Uh, so a pair of lottery picks that are there, and yet they're still winning, and they're able to beat a really good uh, Michigan team simply because of Cassius Winston. So, in my opinion, should he get some National Player of the Year votes? Yeah, he should get some consideration for it. He's not the best player in the nation. 
which is what the national, you know, the national right. player of the year is. But man, I think the people need to start taking a look at who this cat is and what he's doing. Uh, even I mean, he's playing for a program like Michigan State, so you think that he would get some love, he would get some consideration out there. Um, but but he, he, I don't think he's getting enough love. I don't think he's getting enough conversation. He is not Zion Williamson. He's not R.J. Barrett. He's not those guys. But this cat is playing some tremendous basketball, leading and uh, at this point in time an under-talented Michigan State team uh, to continue to play and to play well and to be a top-tier team that's got them ranked in the net and at the top six right now in the nation. And I, I I would I would agree and say he deserves some votes if he continues to play like he's playing because obviously he doesn't have the the skill set. Uh, are the players around? I wouldn't say the skill set for him. He, he's a good player, but he doesn't have the the skill players like Duke has right now um, around him, like uh, right. like that level. You know, yeah. they, he doesn't have an R.J. Barrett. He doesn't have a Trey Jones. He doesn't have the Zion Williamson. But it can be argued, man, that he is possibly one of the most impactful players in the country right now. And, and no athlete in America can really match how diverse his stat line is right now. Yeah. But again, man, I just don't think. He might get a few votes because some people might see it through that lens, but he's just not going to be able to match what Zion brings to the table, I don't think. One of his really cool stat lines is that he's making 43, I mean, 41% of his three-point attempts and 82% of his free-throw attempts. That's huge. So, I mean, he's the guy that you want in there with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said for that as well. <laughs> Without a doubt. So when you look at it, there are officially less than two weeks until the end of the regular season, and there's a race shaping up to nab the final number one seed. And when you look at it, there's been a last couple of spots in the top five of the power rankings, and, and, and there's been shuffling going around. But when you look at it, man, Duke is is in a fairly solid shape when it comes to the resume, especially yeah. especially when you have Zion on the verge of coming back in and playing as, as long as he returns. You know, Virginia has lost only twice all season, and both times were to Duke. Right. So when you look at it, man, it, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how these last two weeks play out. Oh, no doubt, man. You got some big games that are coming up there over the last over the last two weeks of the season. Got Kentucky at Tennessee, which is happening this Saturday. Duke at North Carolina, which is happening on March the 9th. Michigan at Michigan State, March the 9th. And then Houston at Cincinnati. Houston, a team that's kind of getting forgotten about, but still playing extremely good ball. That happens on March the 10th. So all four of those games right there are going to be are going to go a long ways into helping determine what this, uh, uh, how things begin to shape out uh, for uh, for that final number one ranking. Yeah, and you, you look at Duke, they're, they're having Virginia Tech this week, which is tomorrow. Um, that, that, with no Zion. With no Zion. So that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Because Virginia Tech's a good team. Yeah, um, Miami, uh, not so much. You know, they should win that one easily. But when you got Virginia Tech, they look like they got two easy games this week to where they're, they're going to be coasting, right? Georgia Tech, they should win. Pittsburgh, they should win. Mm-hmm. But when you come down to it, when you talk about Kentucky, because Gonzaga, again, they play at Pacific. They play at St. Mary's. I don't see Womp them womp. changing, right? And so, but when you look at Kentucky, they're the team that we got to look at. They got Tennessee coming up Saturday, like yeah. you said, and that's huge. And that's going to be a – I mean, I'm sure that Tennessee's got that one circled on their calendar as well, looking for some revenge and some payback after the way that Kentucky beat them down just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so John Calipari, they're they're looking they're looking to, to continue to move forward and continue that run. And then you got North Carolina. You know, they got a matchup against Syracuse. They got Clemson, you know, um, and, and Syracuse hasn't been playing that bad of late. But it, when you look at it, man, when it comes down to it, North Carolina's on a tear, and I, like I said, I don't know if I would want to play them right now. I don't want to play them right now, to be completely honest with you, just because of the way that they're playing. It's going to take a, it's going to take some str- a very strong team to, to beat them at this point in time. 
I would agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about some of the upcoming games like we talked about there. I mean, when, you, when you're watching from home, when you got mm-hmm. – I mean, obviously – there's there's a Kansas State Kansas that that's going to be a big game, yep. but, but what do you think this Duke without and I just want to talk about it a little bit what what Duke is going to have to overcome without Zion on the floor I still think they do similar to what they did in Syracuse they might start off slow, um, but they figured it out right they had to burn what's his name's red shirt I can't remember his name they had to, had to bring old boy off the and, and you know. It seems if Coach K is starting to burn red shirts, he he's 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 calling all de- he's calling everybody on board, right? You know, like well, all hands on board. Yeah, the idea at that point in time, at least from what my opinion, it's not like I've interviewed Coach K at this point and gotten gotten it straight from the horse's mouth or anything. But he's looking at it and 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 seeing that we've got to figure out a way. Duke's got to figure out a way to get some consistent perimeter shooting. And up until this point, we haven't had it all season. Uh, evidently, Alex O'Connell is Syracuse's kryptonite because in the two, he's had his two best games of the year playing against uh, Syracuse. He scored 16 in the first game against him, then scored 20 in the second game against him, and he started in place of Zion. One of the other things that, you know, I don't want this to turn into the Duke hour or anything like that, but uh, a guy who has been putting in some, you know, big minutes all throughout the season and then kind of hit, I think he's gone 0 for 25 from three-point landing over the last uh, 10 or 12 games. Jack White didn't play one minute in that game against Syracuse. So it's going to be interesting to see if he plays uh, in this game against Virginia Tech as well. Yeah, and, and if he could get out of that funk, right? Because when you, you look at it, it's like, dude, you got to hit a shot, like, right. eventually. right? Yeah. So, And how long are they going to stick to you to make that shot? I don't know. But it might come in some garbage time. But you have to hit, you have to hit a shot, bro. And, right. and until that happens, it's just like, I mean, he was hot. He he was he was doing that at the beginning of the season, yeah. man. He would he had his he had his spot, man, and he would just set up there in the corner, man, and he would drill it, it every time. Exactly. I mean, he was on point at the beginning of the year, and it just seems like over time, I don't know what's going on, but he's definitely been cold hand Luke so far. <laughs> Very good. But, yeah, you got that game on Tuesday, Duke uh, versus Virginia Tech. That'll be interesting to see what happens minus Zion. Saturday, we've already mentioned it, Kentucky versus Tennessee. Big matchup there. Uh, Tennessee's looking to get back uh, look, get back on the uh, in the spotlight there, and so we'll see what happens against Kentucky. And then Sunday, you've got Michigan versus Maryland, which will be a big matchup there to see what happens there for that conference. Let's go back to Virginia for a second because I want to talk about Tony Bennett. I mean, his team right now is just playing some uncare, even though they've only had two losses. They've just been a little bit uncharacteristically lately with a couple sloppy halves that just it's just, again, not characteristic of this Virginia team. But, you know, with them only losing to Duke twice, you know, they're going to have to cut out on those those, that sloppiness, though, especially if they want to beat a Duke or a Gonzaga or any of these other teams in North Carolina. Uh, ab- absolutely. I mean, Tony Bennett's got his own way of doing things. He's certainly, you know, uh, he's not, he's not one of the high scoring teams or anything like that, un- except for the fact that they've had a couple of un- uncharacteristically high scoring games over the last couple of weeks. Part of that too, I'm sure has got something to do with the long season and just trying to get its way to the ACC tournament and trying to get its way towards, uh, towards March Madness. This team has still got a little bit of a chip on its shoulder in the sense that it's looking to, uh, uh, avenge its, law, its early exit from last year's tournament. So I would see them kind of beginning to pick the pace up uh, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I like that. And, and going back one more time to I, I just, this Cassius Winston character. I mean, we talked about him earlier in the year. And it, it's something like we talked about before, but man, it's just that, that number is still just with me. 41% mm-hmm. from three-point on his three-point attempts. That's huge. I mean, we've seen somebody, obviously, the 82% free throw line is, is pretty big for – 
for for um, somebody of his stature. But at the end of the day, we've seen people do that before, right? Right. But man, forty one percent—that's pretty good for for or for a guy that's really you know taking it by the reins and and helping this Michigan State team compete with the Michigans, you know, because it was like, is is Tom Izzo and his team going to figure it out, you know? And they typically do, right? If Michigan State can make a run right now, uh, this fight my hair might go up as one of Tom Izzo's best coaching, you know, best coaching jobs in his career at Michigan State. And we, um, I think we all know, man, just kind of what a legend he is up there and what he's been able to do for that program. It's funny when I'm sitting here looking at, you know, it's like I'm sitting here, oh man, that Michigan State Indiana game is going to be a good one, but I'm like, no, it's Indiana. <laughs> no, it's Indiana, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the Bob, the Bob Knight Indiana is not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that those days are long gone. <laughs> right. So the Hoosiers, you know, the, the that's every time I think every time I see Indiana, I'm like, ooh, that's going to be a good game. But I'm like, oh, oh no, that's not going to be a good game, oh, right? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> so when you look at the Houston Cougars, they're still just hanging around, brother. Twenty six yep. and one. They're still floating around. They're, they're not doing much because they don't play very many good teams. But they do got East Carolina, which is right down the road, and I, that's why I just wanted to talk about them for a second. Well, I mean, uh, golly, <laughs> they're playing East Carolina, man. My, this is going to be a barn burner right here. I mean, this right here could be the second loss of the season for Houston going up against the mighty East Carolina Pirates. I mean, don't you think? And then the road gets tougher for them against <laughs> Central Florida, you know, on Saturday. But, I mean, you can't take anything away from Corey Davis and what he's doing over there. He's no. basically carried the offensive load for this team for all season. And, you know, he, he's, he just started to find his perimeter stroke. And he's 12 for 20 from three-point from three point range in the last two games, which is pretty, which is pretty stout. Hey, man, uh, and all, all kidding aside, that UCF matchup should be pretty good. UCF was the preseason favorite to uh, to win their conference. Yeah. Uh, college, came to, college game day is coming to town for this one as well. So it should be a, it should be a good matchup, and it should be a good another good test for the Houston Cougars. What can you make of this Texas Tech, Texas Tech Ray Raiders team, man? They're, they're sit, yeah, they sit out 22-5, and, five and, and and I'm sitting here reading these forums, and I was on the internet today, obviously social media, and people were talking about you know Texas Tech making another run. Going through winning the tournament, you know, on their their tournament, not not the actual right. March Madness tournament, but you know they're going through and, and doing their thing. But you know, it, they are one of the hottest teams in the country right now. When you look at it, they have won five in a row and seven of the past eight. But and, and again, I agree that they make a push for the big Big Twelve title. But I just don't know, man. I've seen I've seen some of them lost uh, uh, at least five of those losses is just. You know, I don't know if I can count on that team. Well, here's the here's the here's one of the reasons why you might be able to count on them now, and that's because of the slide that Kansas is on. With all the injuries that Kansas has had going yeah. on, and still not being able to write that ship, um, it's it's really made the uh, you know the Big Twelve wide open to anybody can get their hands on it. And Texas Tech is certainly one of those teams. And so with Kansas kind of coming back down to the pack a little bit, it does open the door for Texas Tech. I don't know that it's a team that you put all your chips in and say this is the team that I'm going to ride. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them still, uh, you know, holding that trophy at the end of the season for the Big 12 title. They are putting some some crazy numbers up over the last three games. Right. I mean, they've scored 255 points on 188 possessions in the past three games, and that might be a small sample. But those, when you look at it, man, that's efficient and that's elite level when it comes to offense. And and so, yeah, I, I just it's it's just. In my mind, it's still that 16-point loss they had in, in Lawrence earlier in the month. And it's just right. like, I just can't get past some of that stuff and, and thinking that they're a legit con- contender. 
Well, I mean, you're right. Those are some great offensive numbers, but they can't play any better defense than what they're playing either. It's going to be a it's going to be a short stint there in March, anyways. And and a team that that again, I think you know luck has been on their side side to a certain degree is the LSU Tigers. They sit at twenty two and five. I mean, they've right. had and they have a real chance though to win the SEC regular season title or at least a share of it. Right. I mean, when you right. look at it. Right now, the Tigers have forged a three-way tie um, this past Saturday by beating Tennessee without Tremont Waters. But man, they don't—they don't have it, you know—they don't have to play Kentucky or Tennessee, you know, who face each other later this week. And, mm-hmm. and so that they get a little bit of uh, some help there, and they don't have to face any any of those teams the rest of the way until they get into the tournament. Hey, they, they got they got some wins and some key spots. Uh, they got a little bit of help against Kentucky, uh, maybe a little bit of help against Tennessee mm-hmm. as well. But it, they were able to come away with wins. And so when it when they're looking at when you know when you hold victories over those two teams and they're still got a, got a chance to play each other, um, you're sitting there with you know all you got to do is handle your business. And you got games against Texas A&M this week and then Alabama on Saturday. Uh, you're gonna be sitting. You're still gonna be sitting or should be sitting in a good position come the end of this week. Let's talk about the Wisconsin Badgers for a second, because they're, they're sitting on on our sheet right here, and they're sitting at nineteen and eight, right? Um, and so it, they're a team that I just again I can't make out, but they have won eight of their past ten games, especially after winning on uh, at Northwestern on Saturday. Um, and Ethan Happ, he he started finally, you know, he hit a free throw after missing all ten of his attempts the past three games, and so Ethan. When he struggles, this team's going to struggle, and yeah. so they got to get old boy, old dirty to play right. You know, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because when I think about them, I still think about the team that I saw play and that we saw play together earlier on this year, uh, right Virginia. around that Thanksgiving. Yeah, they playing against Virginia right mm-hmm. around that Thanksgiving Christmas time, and so uh, it was. It's, it's interesting to think about that team then to this team now. It's kind of like there's no way that I thought that we'd still be talking about Wisconsin here as we roll our way to the end of February. But yet here they are, man. You're right, having won eight of their past ten games. Uh, the Badgers have scored fewer than one point per possession in four of their past five games, and a out at least one point per possession in three of their past four. So they got to, they got they still got some work to do. But Wisconsin is still a team like Virginia that plays a little bit of ugly basketball, but still finds itself you know getting a win there at the end of the game. Yeah, let's take a look at the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, we brought them up briefly, but you know, right now they're in a they're in a they're in a predicament. Right? You look right. at it. We can't totally write them off with their chances at winning a 15th straight Big 12 title just yet. But at the end of the day. It's very difficult after you lose to somebody by 29 points, especially Texas Tech. I said we're, they're hot right now. Right. But, man, you look at it. They have, you know, Kansas. They're going to host a Big 12 leader in Kansas State on Monday night. So it's a must win for that team, and, and it doesn't get any easier for them. Uh, Bill Self isn't going to make any excuses, and nor should he. I mean, Kansas is still, you know, still has some talent out there. But when you lose uh, some of the players that they that they've lost, when you lose that lose that talent there, it's really hard to overcome, especially when you've surrounded your, you know, you built your team around those around those guys. And so it's kind of hard to replace that. Uh, they're going to continue to give it their best effort, but they're, uh, you know, this this team's sunk. Uh, this team isn't going to be. Yeah, this is not a team that we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, let's take a look at Marquette after you after your last statement too when you look at it another team that seems the I remember at the beginning of the year you know it was like watch out for Marquette they're, they're 23 and four and yep. another team in Villanova seemed like they got their mojo back right 
But when you look at it over the past 15 days, they, they dropped their fourth game. Right. So that does not put them in a good position. Uh, no, I mean, Mar- Marquette is a, Marquette's still a, uh, a solid team, a yep. good team. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's still playing good ball, playing well. Uh, they got, they do travel, uh, to Villanova on Wednesday. And so they got a chance to basically see, uh, you know, seal up the regular season title at that point. Uh, and even if they stumble, uh, Marquette still has some margin for error in their quest for their own, for this crown. So, I mean, they're, they've set themselves up nicely. They've got it. They've got a chance to really solidify themselves as one of the top tier teams in the, in the nation. Uh, even though it's a team that nobody has given a whole, even though they're ranked, you know, up there in the, in, you know, in the top 15 and whatnot, uh, they, they still aren't getting a whole lot of conversation, a whole lot of love about them. But Marquette's a really good team and got a chance to seal up their conference with uh, this week by doing that. Yeah, and I think Villanova struggles right now. I mean, we'll just we'll definitely amplify their chances of, of closing it out, and, and hopefully Marquette can do it. I like this Golden Eagles team, man, and it, and it yeah. seems like, again, again, they might not be getting as much love, but a team like this can still make a good run in the tournament. They might fall out early. You never know because the tournament is just that crazy. But, you know, I like one Marquette. And, one and done, baby. One and done. <laughs> there you go. One and done. Peace. So let's just talk about another team that, you know, when it comes down to it, another team that, you know, we it's almost like Houston's position is Nevada. Got to give Nevada a little bit of love on the show. We don't talk about them much. They do stay around the same in the power rankings. They don't really move around that much. But right. But when you look at it, they pulled off a win over Fresno State on Saturday to avoid their second straight loss. If they would have, if they would have lost that game, womp womp. Yeah, exactly. And they would have been in a tough spot. Uh, yeah, I mean Nevada doesn't play anybody. Uh, they, you know, they had their one game this year against a ranked opponent, and uh, and and then you know they they got to avoid these. They got to avoid the losses to these teams that are extremely under talented. I get that they're conference games for them. I get that everybody, you know, everybody is in, in their conference when they play Nevada. It's like playing Duke. I mean, they're trying to they're trying to knock. That's the best team on their schedule. So they're trying to knock them off. Uh, so they were able to they were able to avoid their second straight loss. They've got some games this week coming up against UNLV and Utah State. Both of those games should be. Uh, should be wins for them. The problem that Nevada is going to have is that they're not going to get a whole lot of love when it comes time to seeding for the big dance. And so they're going to get a really tough bracket. They're going to get a hard out in the first round, and it's only going to get harder for them as they move forward. And I noticed that Buffalo, they did jump up from 25 to 21. So they're, they're a team trying to get back in their winning ways and try to move up in the rankings. You know, uh, they were up higher earlier in the year, and now they seem to get their groove back a little bit. And hopefully Buffalo right. – I like seeing these teams, man, just make some of these runs and, and get back into it, right? They might not sure. be playing the the top-tier competition, but, you know, the Nevadas, the Buffaloes, the Houstons of the world, it's exciting to see these kids go out there and compete and then to see if they can get the job done, which typically doesn't happen when they get to the tournament. But, hey, it's exciting nonetheless. Hey, man, either way they go about it, man, they're living the dream. All right, brother, that brings us to the end of episode 24. I appreciate you jumping on, my man. Yeah, man, no problem. This was good, and uh, looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing what happens this week. Hopefully Zion Williamson gets back into the groove. He's not playing tomorrow night against Virginia Tech, but hopefully he gets back in there really soon, and we can get back to some winning ways at Duke University. Hey, man, if he, if he gets hurt again, we're going to have to put this guy in a bubble. It's like you get your eye poked out, you come out of your shoes, you can't keep inventing ways of getting hurt right i mean i know i know i know nike took a real probably punch to the gut when old boy's foot just slid out of him and is like you know going forward what do you do do you still rep nike obviously you do but you might have oh, to yeah. 
double, triple, quadruple stitch those things, man, and special make him some shoes. Don't have him wearing no shoes that you could just get off the shelf. Best thing, best thing I saw uh, on the internet was that uh, Puma tweeted out <laughs> that wouldn't have happened with us. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, like because Puma, right. Puma was tweeting at you, Nike. Come on. Puma was trying to get in the basketball game. Get out of here. Get out of here. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to episode 24 of the College Sports Hour. Make sure to check out our new website, guys, at collegesportshour.com and support us by listening to us on our website or the Radio Republic app. I said Radio Public app. Sorry about that. I might have said Republic, but it is Radio Public. Just to make sure I got that right, it is Radio Public. Our podcast can be found on other platforms, guys, as well. So if you're in iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Tune in radio, or you can listen to us on heroesmediagroup.com. But the cool thing about Radio Public, guys, if you listen to us on any of these other platforms, as long as you down the Radio Public app, it will find it for you and import it right in and just play. And, it, and it, that goes for all the podcasts you're listening to, and that is cool, guys. So make sure to like and follow us on Facebook as we continue to grow our community. Do you have anything you want to say before we get off of here, brother? I want to say this. Thank you so much to everybody for you know, continuing to go along on this journey with us, man. It's been fantastic. We're enjoying it. Hope you're enjoying it as well. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. Hey, tell your friends. Tell somebody about it. Shoot somebody a text this week and say, hey, if you're not listening to the College Sports Hour podcast, you need to make sure you're doing it. Shoot them the link. Let them get signed up. Let us subscribe because, man, we are enjoying this journey, and we want as many people to come along with us as possible. Guys, this is episode 24. Next episode? That's 25, guys, and that's huge for us. We continue this going. We're we're going up on this, guys. (laughs) Exactly. Give me some props for being able to count, man. I'm an educated kid from the ghetto. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just, my thing is, man, I grew up and and I've been able to count for some reason, and it's great. (laughs) But, man, I want to give a special shout out to our family and friends, include all of our listeners, our followers, and subscribers. Thanks for continuing to support what we do. Don't forget, guys, to join us next week for another episode of the College Sports Hour.